Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is a mini series in partnership with Lenovo. Hopefully you've checked out the other two episodes on the myths of being your own boss and creating your own career ladder. This is episode three. It's been really great to create this with Lenovo. We've covered some really interesting topics. They provide some of the latest cutting edge technology, which I've been using myself recently, including the ThinkPad X1 Nano. I've got my desktop all set up now, but I'm enjoying the ThinkPad for its lightness and ease. If I fancy moving around the house, if I'm craving a different setup as I'm working across a few different projects at the moment and find that if I stay in one place too long, I just kind of zone out. Over a series of these three episodes, I've been chatting to someone whose work I really admire and enjoy, Natalie Liu, author, podcaster, and host of the Baggage Reclaim Sessions. She helps people pleasers, perfectionists, and relationship strugglers become more of who they really are and achieve the things they want to achieve. In this episode, we're digging into how we get our deep work done, how to block out that time in the day to be creative and to prioritize ourselves. Throughout the episodes in this mini-series, we'll be discussing how smarter technology can solve problems, create opportunities, and transform the way we all live, learn, and work. The tools we use are so important, and they can empower passionate people who value their health, well-being, and the world they live in, and impact change for a better world. I'm so excited for you to listen to this final episode in the mini-series. I've got so much from each of the conversations and I hope that you do too. Thank you so much to Lenovo for making this mini-series happen and go and check out the other episodes if you haven't already. And thank you so much for tuning in and thank you to Natalie. So I'm back here with Natalie. Thank you so much for doing this mini series with me. Oh, thanks so much, Emma. It's been a blast. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how we get stuff done. I recently read an article by Oliver Berkman. He kind of changed my life because I was going through a phase where I just felt really overwhelmed. Everything was chaos. I felt like I was trying to write this book and I had emails and I had little bits of admin and I had to do, you know, just life. And I don't even have kids, so I don't even have that excuse, but like every, lot of, lots of bits mm. and I needed to do some deep work. And he wrote an article recently called Three or Four Hours, it's called. And he basically says that for us to really seriously focus, all we need is three hours really in a block mm. of time, three or four hours in a block of time. And basically, if you sit down and do as much as you can in those hours, you can basically faff around for the for the rest of the day because that, that's actually the only amount of time where things can get done. And so I would put in my diary like three hours, no one could email me, no one could talk to me, everything yeah. was switched off, got my work done. And then the rest of the day was chaos. But I just felt like I'd started the day yeah. from a good place. How does that ring any bells with you about how you work? Like, how do you structure the deep work? That totally chimes with what I've come to understand about what I need out of work because I found that one of the one of the reasons why I got into doing what I'm doing is I loved like having you know creative control, flying by the seat of my pants, and one of the reasons why I got really stressed in what I was doing is because I had creative control and I was flying by the seat of my pants. So everything, you know, has a trade-off, you know, there's light and shade to things. And so I have found it's not a, a perfect solution because sometimes, you know, stuff is going to happen, but I tend in the mornings to not schedule like uh, Zooms as it would be these days, meetings, whatever. Um, I don't have this whole thing of like, because again, it's that sort of corporate capitalist thing of, oh, you have to be at your desk at nine. Yeah. Um, and it's more about like, sometimes actually I might be sat down 
actually at eight because I just happened to have got myself together. And sometimes I don't actually get to sit down until 11. But I found that like you, there's the, what's the, is it, I can't remember the name of the principle, but it's where time, or time expand, or is it the task expands to fit the amount of time you give to it or something like that, right? And so what I found is like you, that I needed to have that totally focused time. And then I'm happy to just meander. But if I haven't had that focused time, I find that I'm quite stressy and uh, I find it difficult to sort because I'm, I'm to sort of relax because on the back of my mind, I'm sort of going, oh, but you haven't done this and you haven't done that. So what I've found useful is, you know, I talk a lot about bandwidth in my work. So, you know, we all have, you know, emotional, mental, physical and spiritual bandwidth. So we only have, you know, so much time and energy and effort that we can put in and that affects our emotions. So how we spend our attention, because that's what that represents, matters. So the more stuff that we're doing that's, you know, as, as we would say in our zone of genius, that's, you know, authentic, that really is catering to our needs, is that that's going to energize us. It doesn't mean we won't get tired, because of course we will. But the more we're kind of saying to yes to stuff that we really shouldn't be, is the more drained that we become and also where we go over our bandwidth. So that's how you end up with burnout and stuff. And what I learned was on Mondays, for instance, I would could be quite gung-ho sometimes. And, you know, like you maybe you've got energy because of the weekend, you know, and having slowed down. So all of a sudden, you just start agreeing to loads of stuff <laughs> and putting loads of stuff into your diary. But your energy does not stay exactly the same way over the course of the week. So I've really, really started to pay attention to how I'm spending my time and thinking about, well, if I'm doing that type of work, do I just need to have a chill? afternoon after that where I might potter and do a couple of bits, but it has to be relaxed. If I'm up, for instance, in London today, it's like, okay, well, next couple of days, you know, just be chill because, you know, we were talking about our introvert ways. You do feel a bit pooped after doing these things. And that has been revolutionary for me because it allows me to focus, but it also doesn't put that pressure on me to be focused for like seven, eight hours of the day in this really, really intense way because it's not possible. I mean, sometimes we do it, but it's not you can't do that every day. Yeah. And isn't it funny when you connect the dots to how you're spending your time and actually how your life is playing out? Because I completely relate to that. So the reason I said this article has actually changed my life a little bit is because I was being really snappy and really mean and really like resentful of basically everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because you sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to the point where I was like, and just annoyed with everyone. Yeah. And what, and actually truly I was annoyed with myself because when your boundaries are so bad and you're letting everyone fill your day and mm-hmm. then you get to 8pm and you haven't, I haven't written like a thousand words in my book or whatever, which I had to be doing. I was just like, so like, pent up and angry and so now I've realized right three hours get your stuff done and then everyone else can annoy you for the rest of the day but I don't have that annoyance now because I know that I've done my stuff and I wonder if this taps into kind of what we were talking about with women especially we're sort of socialized to put everyone else first yeah like we're socialized where it's like be meek be mild be sweet don't say no you know you, you must be selfish don't be selfish and what then happens is we don't realize that what we just take as being normal life, our way of living, is systematically neglecting our needs. We treat it like our needs are an inconvenience and stuff that actually isn't a priority is the priority. And we start seeing it in how somebody else needs or wants something. And it's like, 
oh, well, I need to respond to that. And it's so ingrained into us that you can just like slot like into it almost on autopilot. And the thing is, is that it's when you are not getting what you need to get done, what you actually need for yourself, you don't have time for to take care of yourself, all of those things. That's when you have to start paying attention to, hold on a second, like, where do I need to say no here? Because that's the matter is, is that if you open your email, for instance, at eight, nine in the morning, other people's agenda is going to change your day, shift, shape your day. You might go in with the intention, I'm going to work on this, this, that, and the other. You open your email. Next thing you know, you reply to this, you reply to that. You've had the Zoom call, da, 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 da. half the day is gone. You're now feeling a bit sapped. And you, you, like you say, you get, I am like, I used to get so cranky because on some level I was going, oh, well, I've done this, blah, 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 but I still haven't, you know, I need to write or I've got this thing I need to do. And it's like, yeah, but that means that you either have to say no to some of this other stuff or newsflash, you could also ask for help. Yes. Because that I read on a little Instagram post from, I think, Nedra. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was saying that the one of the biggest signs of bad boundaries is you're resentful. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I say to people that you always know the markers of boundary issues is resentment, feeling obliged, and guilty. And the thing is, is that if you do things because you feel obliged or because you're afraid, you're going to end up feeling resentful. And that leads to far more problems than if you just turn around and said no in the first place. But also feelings like anxiety, uh, the overwhelm, that's all from somewhere along the, le- along the way. You've spent too much yes. Yeah. And do you have a morning routine that's just for you? Because just a little anecdote why I'm asking this and why I'm talking about why we need to actually have our periods of time in the day for us is because my people pleasing was so out of control that I basically would work on the weekends because then no one would be emailing me and I could then get my work done. (laughs) That's how much I was at the um, beck and call of other people. And now I'm just like, oh my God, I'm getting my days back. Yeah, because then what's happening is... You're afraid to say no to these people. So you people, please. And then because you're doing all of that stuff in a time when you actually need to be doing your own stuff, you then have to do your stuff at the weekend, which then eats into your personal time. And so it's insane. And all because we're trying to avoid saying no. Yeah. I, I, and I've, and I hear from so many people who have that experience. It's like, rather than being honest, rather than saying no, whatever it might be, they would rather back themselves into a corner, into some convoluted thing that's making them exhausted, you know, and then it's like, oh, but do I, is it worth putting myself in this position also that I, I tell people what they want to hear and I don't say no? So it's, it's, it's the whole boundaries thing. You know, we're not, we're not taught about boundaries. You know, when I was growing up, it's like boundaries, uh, what boundaries? Feelings, what feelings? We own your feelings, right? There's no such thing as values. If you said, oh, I want this. What are you talking about? You want this. When I was your age, I didn't have any clothes or shoes. It's like, stop whining, get outside and play. What are you crying for? So of course, now that we're adults, we're out of touch with our feelings and we have no clue what our boundaries are. Yeah. And we have to give ourselves permission for these simple things. It's interesting with this three or four hour rule that I, um, I do now, it's also taken out the energy, the mental energy of making decisions every day. Yeah. So I've made this one decision that I do every day. It now takes me no time at all to say to everyone, by the way, I'm not free for these three hours, yeah. but like I'm free afterwards. And I don't have to spend 
loads of my time drafting long-winded emails to get oh, myself yeah. out of but things. But that's actually one of the signs I say to people, you always know that you need to like pause when 20 minutes later, you're still trying to compose a two, three line text or email. It's like, stop, pause, what is going on here? I mean, you were asking me about morning routine and it's like, I try to read um, each, you know, most mornings. Like I'm a, I have, I've, for as long as I can remember, like I was, I think I was reading before I was like, by the time I was three. So reading is just a, like a really fundamental part of, of my life. And as a child, I think it's my escapism, sort of my, my savior. But I've also found that it's, if I, I actually use things like reading, um, you know, I do my sun salutations in the morning, like just kind of stretch because it gives me a sense of if my, if my back is really tight and things like that, it kind of gives me a sense of where my body is at. So I do, sometimes I will do like a bit of journaling. Um, I might, I tend to get out with a dog like for a bit, but what I actually use as I was, I'm not really into, it doesn't have to be religious, but to be fair, I do do that like most days, but I've noticed that if I'm not finding the time to do some or all of those things, that becomes the ding, 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 ding. Hold on. What's going on here? That's when I know that I have got too much going on. Like if I don't have time to I really leaned back into the sort of the artist aspect of me. And if I, if I find that I'm not really painting or drawing or making, then I know that I, the way that I'm organizing and living my life is consuming too much of some of the personal stuff. And, and then it becomes like, I don't have to give myself a hard time about it. It's just you gradually orient because this whole balance thing, you know, it's a bit of a fallacy as well. Yes, yes, yes. It makes, it's another tool to make women feel bad about themselves, especially like, so, oh, my God, oh you're, you're, you're unbalanced. Actually, maybe I want to be working this much. Or maybe that person wants to be more yeah. of a parent. What yeah. is this balance? Yeah. But also it's like, sometimes you're working this much and other times you won't be. It's that swings and, and roundabouts. And of course, like... It, anything like if you're up at the extremes of that all the time it's always going to take a toll on you so it's not even about find it's more about harmony really in if you're connected to as we've been saying you know over these episodes about your intentions and your values and we're not even being woo woo about that like it's the fundamental bit of being human because if you're not connected to those two things you can't meet your needs and you will be crossing your boundaries never mind those of others. But if you're connected to these things, then you know when you've gone off piste. Like th th that's the beauty of having things, like you say, having some level of morning routine. I don't think it has to be, you know, there's been a lot of these business books, the 5 a.m. You must journal for 20 pages. Oh, yeah. Give me, it's like, why do we have to ruin everything? You know, yes. what, what is the deal with this? And it's like, what you really think that because I got up at 5 a.m. and then I was like in the gym or whatever at like 5.30, that that is the key to my success. Not everybody can do that. Also, not all of us are at our best at 5 a.m. It's like, figure out what your best is. Like this book proposal that I worked on, like don't get me wrong, like I did get some stuff done in the mornings, but I tell you, I ended up doing some sprints for that where you know, you're going to get caught up in your week. And then there was a couple of Sundays where... I just went like went at it like gambusters for like several hours, finished up at like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be doing that all the time. I have like really leaned into early nights over this sort of last like year, 18 months. And but don't get me wrong, that got it, it 
really kind of pushed me into that sort of flow state mm-hmm. and got where got where I needed to be with that. I was wrecked afterwards, but you have to allow for that afterwards. Like obviously if you work till 12, one, and then you just expect to have a totally normal week afterwards, that's where you went into problems. But if you can give yourself a bit of space after that, then you can make it work for you. And what's great about that is you're being intentional. Like, you know, right, I'm going to smash it on this day. It's it's almost like you're in control actually of that decision. Like sometimes I will book myself into a hotel or something I mean, yeah. before the days of COVID where they, it, well, that was more freely. I would go on um, and it's called Hotel Tonight or something. You can book a last oh, yeah, minute yeah. cheap hotel. And I would stay up till like 2 a.m. working on something, but it was like, I'd sort of booked it in almost as something I wanted to do rather than me staying up till 2am every night. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm a big fan of a, of a, of a hotel stay. Like my, my husband's like booked me, you know, a few trips, like as Mother's Day things, like where I just pack after a nice hotel, I'm there on my own. And, you know, I'll throw myself into writing or exploring or whatever it is. But you, it's amazing how that sort of change of scenery can do that. But it is that in, in those intentional, decisions can make a huge difference. And I think it's actually about knowing yourself because I think if you try to fit into, I don't know, somebody else's cookie cutter version of what you're supposed to be like, you're going to go against your nature. I've really had to lean into and respect the fact that actually, as much as people might think that I am extrovert, I really am not. I'm definitely leaning more towards introvert. Don't get me wrong. Introverts can do plenty of the things that extroverts do, but I get tapped out. Yeah, we'll be zapped tonight. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like talking to people, and totally, it's not—it's not because we don't like talking to people. We love doing this stuff, but then we need to decompress, right? And now I'm not fighting this aspect of myself or criticizing it, like because I remember growing up and people were criticized for 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 having these aspects. Now I'm just like respect my nature. Everybody needs to get to understand their nature, and. Okay, calling it introvert helps you to, you know, have a sense of that. But actually, it's just understand yourself and how you best work and work within that. I so agree because I've got some real life events coming up soon where I'll be really on for like the whole day. And I've scheduled in my diary like a day off the next day because I know myself and I know that I'll be zapped. To people listening who might not be self-employed, because I guess the upside is that we can sort yeah, of design, we, course, yeah. we can design our days. I I know that when I worked in an office, it one thing that really annoyed me was I would be told like, "Oh, can you do this presentation? We need it by Friday or something." And I'd be there like really getting on with it, and then yeah. I'd be tapped on the shoulder and, "Can you can you talk to us over here for five minutes? Can you do this for five minutes? Yeah. Can you reply to that email?" Yes. Any thoughts on how someone, even if they're working from home and they and they've got a lot on, how they can carve out time? I guess it's a boundary question again. Well, I mean. So I remember, I'd say it's probably a couple of years ago now, I shared some scripts for about bandwidth. And I remember people going, whoa, like, oh, that's how you can say it. Like, I don't have the bandwidth for that. It's a good word. Just understanding, well, what have you got on your plate? Because what I see a lot of people doing is they say yes when they really need to or should say no. Or they say yes without considering the impact. So the meaning and consequences. They don't ask questions. Like somebody comes along and they go, can you do this thing? And they don't go, well, when is it due by or what's involved with it? And then they take it on and they see the full scope of it. And they've, ne- they've not looked at their diary. They've not looked at their existing commitments. 
And they feel overwhelmed and overcommitted, sometimes saddled up to stuff that realistically they shouldn't be doing. And in the culture of work, there's a lot of assumptions being made. If they ask me, well, it must be because I'm supposed to do it. And, or I don't want to look like I'm being difficult. But the thing is, is that we're also making the assumption that the person who's asking us is aware of our bandwidth and our existing commitments, but they're not because they're often just in their own bubble. So they're expecting, unless they're dodgy, for us to turn around and say, well, for instance, okay, if you, if you need me to do that, then that means that I'm not going to be able to, to, to do this at the moment. But we don't talk about that stuff. We don't apply that sort of critical thinking. And so I think that where we can really benefit is, and it's not an overnight thing because it's almost like you have to build up to it in bits, but we need to actually really go out of our way to start communicating what we're actually doing. We need to start asking questions because sometimes we're just accepting like a deadline by default. And it's like, well, actually, if you're telling me I have to do this and it has to be in by Friday, but you've also told me that I've got to do all of these other things too. Newsflash, I need to park some of these things. So it's like, well, can we move this thing to a deadline next week? But we're afraid to push these things. And what we don't realize is that if we do more of this, this is where the communication builds up, the leadership skills. Because we will say yes, and we think that that's the way of getting the promotion, of climbing up the ladder. And then when we're frustrated and resentful and overwhelmed and overcommitted, and for instance, we're missing deadlines, we're not doing things to a standard that you know we normally would, or we're burnt out from having to squeeze it in into our personal life. And then we feel resentful. It's like, well, hold on a second. They're going, but actually part of your job is to communicate what is and isn't possible. And how was I to know that the deadline was off or that it was too much if you didn't tell me? But we're afraid of looking stupid. And surely that's only going to be made worse, i.e. not communicating and it causing trouble during working from home mm -hmm. times that we're in. Like if at least if you've got a FaceTime with someone, you can literally see them at their desk, you know, overwhelmed. And you can be like, oh, are you okay? We're sort of all being a bit overwhelmed inside our homes now. Yeah. So we, it's really important. Well, absolutely. And it's I, I know that, it is hard because we literally have been socialized to be afraid of saying no, to think that no is a dirty word. But actually, the more that we are saying yes, and for the wrong reasons at work, is the more that we actually harm our career. Because actually, we can fall out of love with a job that we genuinely love because we have not figured out the boundaries piece. Oh my God, that really speaks to me because sometimes I go off what I'm doing and I'm like, but I love it. Yeah. So what's happening there? <laughs> and yeah, it's because... We, we don't have the boundaries around that. And it's like, I say to people, like, you're trying to basically sell yourself based on how many hours you can give over to this company. And so now you're working like weekends and evenings and all the rest. But first of all, right, they, they may have an idea that you're working in that time, but you're not getting paid for that. Right. But also that maybe they don't have an awareness. You're given the impression that you're getting all of this stuff done within relatively normal office hours. So it, it actually reinforces the existing problem. And when I say to people, when you're working outside of your contracted hours, I'm not saying you can't do it like periodically, but if you're systematically doing that, you might be actually cutting your salary in half. And that's why you're resentful because you might be working so many hours that technically when you work out what you're truly earning based on the amount of hours that you work, you might actually be earning less than somebody who's many levels below mm -hmm. you. And yeah. that's often shot. And that's when people click and they go, this is where my resentment is coming from. So true.
That is so, so true. Again, the resentment, a, a really good sign, isn't it? Like it's a useful it emotion. Now, in you, if, if in your head, like if somebody asks you to do something and you're like, yeah. And then in your head, you're going, oh my God, like, why did this turn around? Oh, and there's like a whole thing going on. Halt. Because yeah. this is the sign that there's a boundary issue that you said yes for the wrong reasons. And if you're like, oh my God, like I'm, I've already got like so much stuff to do. You need panic. You're trying to, you're being passive aggressive and you're trying to get out of stuff. Again, this is all the signs of the resentment, the overwhelm, the overcommitment. It's like, it's like you need the boundary so that you don't feel anxious and overwhelmed all the time and like you're constantly treading water. And on the topic of tech then, because mm. I think it's important, it's funny because all these themes, they don't, they do sort of go back sometimes to technology or social media in terms of say I want to get my deep work done and I need to write a chapter of my book and I don't want any distractions. It's so easy to check Twitter or check my email. Like we are, it's like sometimes you can't really blame the distractions for being there because it's like I want to look. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I'm very, compl- I'm complicit in the distraction. I like physically want a distraction. How do you find like focus now? Is is it harder for you? Have you kind of found a way to shut all that stuff out? Well, I had a bit of an eye opener when I was writing a book a few years back. And um, I decided to delete Facebook off my phone. So this must, this was 2016. And I didn't, I wasn't even a, a particularly heavy Facebook user, but it was quite the revelation to discover the difference that it made not having the notifications, you know, notification telling you somebody's, and what happens is you get drawn in to what is complete tosh. And then you see something else and you go down the rabbit hole of that. Twitter, you know, so I deleted Twitter and Facebook off my phone at that time when I was writing it, thinking, do you know what? I will come back to that. I never put them back on my phone. And, you know, in an ideal world, we like to think, oh, you know, can sort of sequester myself somewhere, shut off from everything. It's not always possible. As we discovered in lockdown, it's like we were saying, myself, my husband was saying, we realized like how fortunate and privileged we were that there's four of us at home, plus the dog, you know, through the pandemic. And we could all be in separate spaces working and not tripping over each other. That's not the typical experience for a lot of people. We ha- And we also had like, you know, garden space and all these things. But you don't realize how fortunate you are with that. But not everybody can just be like, oh, I can just like sequester myself off. Because sometimes you've got to work in the midst of what might be chaos. Yeah. And this is where like you do have to have that, and I say have that, you almost have to start practicing that self-discipline of like putting your phone in an entirely different room, putting on airplane mode and do not disturb and, you know, t- turning up, put, doing whatever you can to shut off those things and setting agreements, you know, with you, like the way you, you communicate to people like, oh, I don't, I'm not available in the mornings. And this is where I say that you can turn your frustrations or what it is that you want to do into a personal rule or, you know, um, like a practice, because if you know that you need to work in a certain way. It's like, actually, look, I know it's tricky, but if I can just be left alone for an hour to get my head down with this, after that, I can do that. But we, we, what happens is we don't say this stuff and then we're screwing at like the kids or the partner or at the postman that came to the door or whatever, because it's like, oh my God, you didn't leave me alone to do the thing that I never told you that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tricky, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one because we're all working with our set of circumstances, you know, whatever way our home is, you know, who we're around. Um, 
we can't always have silence. So we, we have to figure out what's our best way of getting our head down, even if we don't have the perfect conditions for that. I really like that because I think anything just realistic can feel just very, very practical advice. Because even with this um, this three-hour rule, I the reason why I actually like it is because it allows for the chaos. It allows for mm-hmm. me to not feel like a perfectionist who needs seven hours of perfection. Yeah. It's like, no, no, you're going to have like a bit of time for yourself and then you're going to have loads of stuff that goes wrong probably, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting on that topic of the tools that we use, because something that I've done recently is I have like my desktop and I have my desk and that's where I like get most of the bulk of my work done Mm -hmm. and then I have like the ThinkPad that we've both been using and then I use that to read and to like sit on the sofa and I'm not saying you need loads of gadgets but what I do find is when I'm doing everything from the same place when I'm doing everything from my phone or everything from the same desk it's like Oh, it just feels really icky. I like to move around a bit. I I agree because like, look, I've got this like lovely, amazing space like at the end of my garden, but I don't actually always work out of there. I mean, I probably am in there like most days, but I'm sometimes partial to a little bit of bed working. You know, there's nothing like it. Um, Sometimes it's almost like, you know, that intuitive eating thing of like eat what you want when you want. I'm like work where you want to work if it feels right. Yeah. Like like, sometimes I'm like, I need to work from bed today. It just feels good. Yeah. It's like sometimes like I've worked in like in the dining room, Jag and I like sort of chilling out. I'm at the dining table there. It's just a a change of, of of scenery. And you sometimes just have to sort of follow that. Like I had my like second vaccination like the other day and I was feeling a bit off for a few days. And so I was a bit partial to my bed like last week. But I had like I was able to do like some work from there. But you have to I so agree with you actually about how if you're kind of chained to that one device or that one spot, you end up feeling, yeah, very sort of constricted. Well, it's like what you were saying about you might as well work. <laughs> like like if I'm chaining myself to my desk for ten hours, why don't I just go and work for like a a corporation? Well, yeah, I mean that's this is why when I say when I say to people, like I remember posting on Instagram, it must have been early on in the pandemic. And I said, and I talked about a few things that I'm giving up in 2020. And the first two were holding wheeze and skipping or or late lunches. And what I realized was that they were metaphors for how I do other things. Like, you know, like just, you can wait just another minute. Now I know that I'm also sometimes, you know, when you're just in that really creative flow and you just want to get that last bit out on there. Just one minute, just one minute. But I don't like also getting up and being like, Jesus, I am I am absolutely busting or your back is screaming yeah. or your legs are all tight or you actually feel like swooning because you haven't eaten for that long. And this is where we treat our bodies like they're a machine. And the machine culture, industrial revolution, that that industrial revolution finished ages ago, but it literally dominates everything that we do about work. Well, what's the point in changing you know, where we're working or work. If, if we're just going to replicate the same thing over again, that's that's why I said to you, like, I was the worst boss that I ever had because I just started demanding so much of myself and push. And it's like the great thing, I know it sounds like a, a funny thing to say, but I found so much joy in grieving. And it sounds like the weirdest thing, but because I had to, I was forced to slow down when my dad passed away and I was, I was just exhausted by not just grief, but I just think years of doing things in a particular way, not fitting back into it and then being like, well, what the hell do I do now? And I was like on the search for like, what is the way? And what really was revelatory for me 
was that I was doing a fraction of what I normally did and I made more money. I was happier, I was more profitable, I was more joyful. And I was like, hmm, there's something to this. And this is why I say to people, we're often in this A++++++ mode. What would happen if you went at like 70% speed? And I know that the, the, the recovering perfectionist in me shudders at the idea of B minus. But actually, what we think is 100% is often us trying to put in like 120, 150, 200. But also, if actually you're getting a lot of what you need and want out of being at a slower speed, and you can actually feel your body and enjoy your life, I go with that. Oh, I love that. And what an amazing learning process, even though it must have been really, really hard to have that revelation during that time. Wow. Yeah, it's it, uh, going through all of that, you, you're forced to, at different points, feel. But I also found that I was enjoying myself. It was really weird because you kind of expect to be crying all the time or just to be miserable. And sometimes I was. But a lot of the time, I was also, because I'd slowed down, I was starting to enjoy myself. That's when I started to draw and paint and, and make again. But I also rekindled my love of, of, of my work. So I continued to do bits and pieces, but I just wasn't doing the podcast. I wasn't, I was writing, but more sort of behind the scenes, you know, doing some stuff with like my courses and stuff like that. But it was at a much lower level, quieter. And I had this, it gave me this freedom. Now, don't get me wrong. I realized it's a privilege in that because obviously I was working for myself. And in effect, I want to say I, I took two years off because clearly I was working and doing bits and pieces, but I really slowed down for, for two years after my father's death. And what it showed me is I didn't need to do an awful lot of the things that I was doing because whatever you're doing, whether it's you're working in a job or you're working for yourself, people are going to tell you, you need to do all the things. You need to send an email newsletter X amount of times a week or a month or whatever it is. You need to post on your blog. You need to do this and your podcast, blah, 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 blah. And if you are, you know, you kind of, what's the word, you know, when you're kind of, you're susceptible to kind of taking things in, yeah. in front of, then next thing you know, you go and do all of those things. And I discovered I could do not like not do most of those things and also make money and also change lives and do all of the things that I was trying to do anyway. And so it's like, just finding that balance. It's not that I don't want to do anything because obviously I've done more things, but I'm still doing a, a lot less than what I was doing before, which is kind of frightening because I think I'm knackered now. Yeah. But so, no, I think that's a really good message, especially now because I really sense that at the moment, this pressure for people to keep creating, keep making, to get on TikTok, to create content, to keep people engaged. We're in the attention economy. We must keep people's eyeballs. No. That make I personally want to go the other way. Mm. And I think it's a really great message to realize that you do know that you can make good work you're proud of and reach people without that um, chaoticness. Yeah. You also don't like, you don't need a million followers or a hundred thousand followers or however many followers to do whatever it is that you set out to do. Obviously, if what you set out to do is have a million followers, then obviously you do need to have that. But if what you've actually set out to do is that you want to create something or you want to help, so you don't need all of that. Right. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing if you have those things, but what I am saying is don't let that distract you from what you set out to do because I don't have those things, but I've still impacted a hell of a lot of people's lives. And I've still, you know, I've, I've made money. I'm able to do the things, you know, a lot of the things that I want to do, but I don't need the vanity of however many followers. I don't need to be hustling constantly. I don't want to work. I don't know. 50 hours a week or 80 hours to prove that I am the right kind of entrepreneur. 
You know, it's, if I'm going to do something, I need to do it because it fits with my mission and vision, not because somebody somewhere said this is the way. Yes. Oh, thank you so much because I I'm so aligned with you with what you do. I love everything you make, and I just think we need to say this a bit more because there is still a hustle culture. Um, I definitely fell into that trap, but I think realizing that actually feeling good every day in yourself is genuinely enough is kind of, you know, we're we're talking about it, but I don't, I don't feel like enough people are genuinely living that now in our work culture as it stands. Amen. Because I think that we devalue that it's as if we're supposed to be feeling anxious all the time and chasing and all of that type of stuff. That's apparently valuable because it says, oh, this thing must matter. But it's like, oh my God, like, how weird is it that I'm actually like liking myself and resting and I'm only doing a fraction of things. So we feel guilty because we think that we're slackers and lazy. Have you read that book, um, Laziness Does Not Exist by Dr. No, Devin but Price? I really want to read that. Oh my gosh. I, I had to have a number of seats while, while reading wow. that. But w- all of these ideas that we have about how we're lazy and slacking and how we have to do things a particular way, it's just this internalized patriarchy, sexism, ageism, racism, homophobia, fat phobia, all these messages about, oh, this is what lazy is or slacking. But all it does, who's benefiting from this? Because it's not us. Yeah. The, the message of you're not enough is basically like propping up every company that exists. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. But it's also like I compare as well, like how we work and I'm aging myself here, like calling out this movie. And it's quite a specific movie. But there's this film called New Jack City. And it's from like the late 90s. And you know, it's basically drug dealing, you know, in the film. And I said, a lot of the way that we work now, it's as if we got high on our supply and now we owe the dealer for the stuff that we basically got high on. And so now we're in their pocket and we are basically sucking up to them and trying to pay them back for what they were doing. Like, it's almost like we're all in internships as well. I'm not knocking anybody who's had an internship, but you know, it's like we're paying them to work. It's like, oh, you gave me a job. Let me give you some more unpaid hours back. It's yeah. like, mate, like we're in this, we're all acting like we're working for drug dealers. And, you know, sometimes I think some companies, that's actually how they behave. But we really need to get in touch with, yeah, the, I love when you say about deep work, because I know it can sound a little bit woo. And for some people who are like, I don't think I'm creative. So what are you going on about this deep work for? It's really about this sort of sense of meaningful, connected yeah. work, like work that energizes you. The work that actually allows you to do what you set out to do, achieve what you wanted to achieve, not just for achievement's sake, because you made something that you're proud of, that you really enjoyed. Exactly. And to be honest, even deep work, Cal Newport's sort of coined the term. Sometimes I think he even means like, if you need to do your spreadsheets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we all need to like go deep into something at sometimes to get it sorted. Yeah, it's just like when you have to have that total focus, because I think sometimes it's like, oh, deep work, like you have to come out of this with some sort of spiritual woo-woo thing. <laughs> but sometimes my deep work is, oh, Jesus, the VAT return is due. It's time for me to get my head down and have a look at flipping zero, like for a few, for a few hours. So, but that's sometimes the deep, the deep work. And, and so we can mean different things at, at different times. Yeah. And tuning everyone out. Um, well, thank you so, so much. You have been amazing. And this has been such a pleasure to record. To anyone listening, we also recorded a episode on the myths of being your own boss and also making your own career ladder. So go and listen to those episodes too. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Emma. It has been an absolute blast. It's been the perfect post-lockdown thing. I'm just like (laughs) a major catch up with you. So thank you. Oh. 
I hope you are enjoying this mini series in partnership with Lenovo. This episode is one of three in a series with the brilliant Natalie Liu. So just a reminder to go and check out the other episodes if you enjoyed this one. Thank you so much for tuning in.